Hello out there. This is Pamela Fagan Hutchins, or at least it was last time I checked. Before I left my brain somewhere else this morning, I don't know what my problem is. I need I need more vitamin C, more coffee. This is Wine, Women, and Writing, and this is the video cast slash podcast where I talk with other authors about their books, most specifically and most frequently, other female authors about their books with authentic, complex female characters, because that's what and um, do it with a little irreverence and humor and oversharing if we're lucky. So I have a story to tell you first. Um, the longtime listeners and viewers of this show know that my husband's a mess and that he travels a lot and that he loses everything. So yesterday he left on a trip from Mexico City, rolling straight into Korea, going to be gone a couple of weeks. In the past, what he's forgotten it ranges from black leather jackets to cords to phones to passports to whatever it is that can throw most my life most in a kerfluffle driving hours to pick him up and take him to the airport where he has a layover. But this time he has a record setting loss in a new category, and that's black um, black dress shoes. He lost his fifth pair on his way to Mexico City, which matches his old record of black leather jackets. One pair of each black leather jacket and shoes now out in the ether floating somewhere five way to go honey sending you my love so back to the show <laughs> and what we're doing today so you guys also know that I'm partial to female characters and that I write them myself you can see more about the shows you can see more about my mysteries and uh, all things writing at PamelaFaganHutchins.com where you can catch old episodes. You can subscribe to get this free to your podcast um, RSS player of your choice. And you can also, if you want to support women in writing, you can go out through my website to a link that allows you to make really small support contributions and, um, and help these shows continue and help female writers get seen, get heard. And if you do that, you're going to get your name called out on the show. So today, make sure I get the names right. I am thanking dun, 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 Ralph and Gloria. So on behalf of listeners, viewers, readers, authors, guests, and me, thank you very, very much. Now, today, this lipstick mark on the cup here. This might be Earl Grey. It might not be. I'll never tell, but it would be appropriate if it were because my guest today is Sarah Rosette and she's here to talk about her new uh, England-based high society lady detective mystery, Murder in Black Tie. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. You are so very welcome. I'm glad to have you on the show. I need to tell you a quick story, and that is that when I started doing these podcasts a year and a half ago, um, videocast podcasts, I asked my um, street team, my super fan readers, the ones that move mountains for me, who do you want me to have on the show? Who do you guys read? And I have these two sisters that are so awesome, Tara and Karen, hello, and they both said, oh my gosh, Sarah Rosette, you've got to read her books. You've got to find her. And then I went on a mission to go find you. So I don't know if you remember me cold calling you, you know, nearly a year ago now, but that was because of my readers. Well, that is so cool. That is great. That's wonderful to hear. (laughs) It's super cool. You, you have a loyal following, my dear. And where are you um, joining us from today? I'm in Houston. So not that far. Not that far at all. Our Nowheresville um, little ranch is in Brenham. So I spent a lot of time very near you. Yeah, it's very cool. The 
the every time I talk to you, though, it seems like you're going somewhere. Travel seems to yeah. be a constant for you. Tell me about your travels. Is this business or pleasure? Oh, a little of both. Um, I love to travel, and a lot of it was inspired by my reading when I was younger. I read. I don't know if you're familiar with Mary Stewart books. Yes. Um, oh, I loved her stuff. And so I think because I read those when I was younger, it made me want to travel and visit all these interesting places, you know. So um, so now whenever we can, we go somewhere. My husband's job takes him places. And so for a while, I would go with him or I would go see him and visit him because sometimes he would be somewhere for an extended amount of time. He was in the military. Yeah. And now that he's not in the military we can kind of choose more where we want to go, you know, so that's a lot of fun. So more um, elegant locations than often. Yes, military, yeah, military bases are not real luxurious. (laughs) (laughs) But inspiring. Is there a military mystery series in your future or you've left that world behind you? Well, actually, that was how I got started in mystery. So my very, yeah, my very first series was the L.A. Avery series about a military spouse who moved around the country and found murder and mayhem wherever she went. So, so you know, I have read from the On the Run series, and I've read the On Location, On Location uh, yeah. series, yeah. and I've read two out of your um, High Society right. Lady Detectives. Yeah. So, you know, I did not know that you've already read <laughs> it. That's pretty awesome. The mm-hmm. travel element seems to keep raising its head in mm-hmm. mysteries as well. Um, you have. The on location series, mm-hmm. where it's pretty direct there. Tell us a little bit about those. Okay, well, those started because I was able to go on a trip and I visited Chatsworth House uh-huh. in England. And um, it was just beautiful and gorgeous. And the little village around it was so cute. And I thought, this is a perfect setting for a cozy mystery. And so I took that and sort of fictionalized it. So, uh, Chatsworth became part of U Hall and the little village became Nether Woodsmore. And um, so I've just indulged all my, you know, Anglophile geekiness into creating that, you know, so that's been a lot of fun to create. That it, it is fun. And in, it's a cozy, yet mm-hmm. it is less cozy than some cozies. When I read <laughs> those books, it is a little bit more contemporary and straight up, it kind of straddles the fence. Mm-hmm. Does that kind of describe where you go with some of your books too? You have co- straight up cozy. You have some that are um, his- historical, like we're going right. to talk about today and a little bit cozy, but you seem to experiment with the genre a little bit. Yes. And I like, I like having other things going on besides just the mystery. So like with the murder on location, I wanted to bring in Jane Austen because I knew that that like people love Jane Austen. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to write about England, I might as well use that kind of as a theme. So I try and incorporate some other themes and cozies are big for having themes. Like sometimes it's cooking and I do not want to make recipes for each book because I'm just not that good of a chef and I'm not crafty. So I was like, okay, I need to think of something else that I can incorporate. So that's why I chose, you know, Jane Austen, some different things that maybe are not so, um, so well-known or so used so often, I guess, in cozies. Yeah. And the, um, you know, the, the most cozies, you know, when I think of cozies, I think of cats on the cover and I think mm-hmm. of, you know, the recipes, et cetera. And so for me, it was a lot of fun mm-hmm. that it was met the rules mm-hmm. of cozy, but 
took us in a different direction. So kudos to you. And then he spun it in another new way with the travel theme, to me at least, with the On the Run series, which Mm -hmm. is probably the least cozy of your your mysteries, but still had that travel feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that one... That one was the first indie book I ever wrote, the elusive book, the first one in that series. And that was a series that I'd always wanted to write, but it wasn't cozy. It wasn't really full on romance. It wasn't suspense. I mean, it didn't really fit anywhere. And I had floated the idea. I, I A long time ago, I had an agent and an editor and I floated the idea for that series to them and they were just not interested. And I thought, okay, fine, I'm just going to do it because it's kind of a throwback to the classic kind of. Mary Stewart, Elizabeth Peters, romantic suspense that they don't really publish anymore. So I did it. <laughs> I love it. And and that is the whole reason that I went indie as well, was to yeah. write cross genre and be able mm-hmm. to go back and put together the kind of book I wanted. Yeah. I didn't want to write dysfunctional psychological thrillers. I didn't want to yeah. write pure cozy. You know, anyway, so yes. I get totally understand. <laughs> <laughs> I want to write what I want to write. <laughs> And I care that people read it, but you know, you go out and find your own readers, right? Right. Yeah. And so now taking that now to um, the book we're talking about today, Mm -hmm. more cozy, but also historical. What got you interested in the historical bent? Is is it the Anglophile in you or was it? part? Yeah, partly that. And partly because I loved reading Agatha Christie. Um, I just enjoy that time period, the 1920s, 1930s. In a way, it's much easier to do a mystery that time at that time because you know there's no cell phones, there's right. less forensic stuff going on, and it is more plausible that like a little a little village might not have the best investigators. You know, I always feel bad when cozies are like, "Oh, the police officer is terrible," you know, because that's usually not very realistic. So, but I I just love that time period, and I read a book. Um, it was called, I think it was called The Affair of the 39 Cufflinks. And I thought it was a classic from the 30s. And so I was so excited when I found it. I went to see if this man had written more. And it was written in the 70s. And so I thought that the, the timelessness of writing something in the past was interesting because my books that I've written even five or 10 years ago are dated very quickly, you know, according to the technology. So I just thought that was interesting that it would hopefully give more of a timeless quality too. Well, it, it did. And I couldn't decide if I was in, I, well, I felt like I was in a, the clue game as part of the <laughs> episode, you know, when I read these books, which is combining two of the things I love the most, right? So Me too. <laughs> it was just awesome. Um, so the, um, the high society detective lady now focusing mm-hmm. in on the series and we'll move to the book. Um, Sarah and I talked offline ahead of time that uh, I, I really focus in on these books and she was like, Oh my gosh, I have to go back and read it. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> we write books and then it's a year later or mm-hmm. more that we're talking about them at their release. Yeah. So with respect to the high society detective lady and, um, and the premise, um, what, what got you to write Olive herself. Olive Belgrave is our hero, our, mm-hmm. our detective. So, how is Olive um, springing to your mind? What was your inspiration? Well, so I had the first thing that came to me was the location. So, I took Parkview Hall, which is in the other series, and thought, what would it be like in the 1920s? And oh. so, I started there and I thought, but I can't have my sleuth. It's always better if your sleuth has a struggle, you know, some thing to overcome. And so I decided that she would not have a lot of money. 
And um, so she's the poor relation who lives, who is related to the people who live in Parkview Hall. But so she has a not very happy home situation now. Her father, her mother died when she was younger. Her father's remarried and she's not really happy with her new stepmother. So she decides she's going to be one of these new working girls and go make her own way in the world. She's Cinderella. Yes, that's true. (laughs) We'll combine all the genres now. We're going to do Disney. Disney is a genre. So keep going. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Cinderella is always good. Always good to have (laughs) something like that. So so anyway, so she goes out and tries to get a job. And in 1923 in London, it was just, there were not a lot of jobs to be had. So she ends up making her own job where she, and eventually she works into becoming like the solver of problems for the high society set because, you know, they don't really want to go to the police. Sometimes they don't want to go to a private detective. So they'll call Olive and say, please come solve this little problem for us. She's one of their set. She's, yes. She's, she's one of them. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and these books really do illustrate that class um, divide. The, those who are of high society and, everyone else this Mm -hmm. very very small or narrow set and and do it brilliantly so in your you're welcome in your travels (laughs) i take it that you travel to different locations in england not not infrequently to research and get a feel for the area and the character Mm -hmm. yeah i go as often as i can which is (laughs) i would like to go more (laughs) actually i have a trip planned for next summer well probably next spring to go back and just visit more country homes and, you know, townhomes in London, just do the tourist thing. And what I do is I'll go and I'll just visit and take information in and then go back home. And I don't usually try and write while I'm traveling, but then once I have it, then I kind of have to mull over it for a while. Let it percolate. Simmer. Yes. Yes. Comes up too. And now murder and black tie. You know, mm-hmm. it took half the interview for me to get here, but I had a plan. So <laughs> okay. we, we get to Murder and Black Tie in this series. Uh-huh. And Olive is now fairly established mm-hmm. in her role with high society. With this particular story, give the listeners slash readers slash viewers a little mm-hmm. taste of what's going on with Olive in this book. Okay, well, she's she's established herself enough that she's solved a couple of cases and she's kind of getting a reputation as somebody to go to when you have a problem. And um, she gets an invitation to go back to Parkview Hall and she's like, oh, this will be a great break. I'll go back there, visit family, have a good time. Um, In the first book, I introduced one of her cousins, Peter, and he was in the war and he has some issues. Um, We would call them PTSD now, but then they called it um, shell shock. It's hard to say quickly, but um, so he's struggling with that. And there's an incident where it's clear there's a loud noise and it's clear for a couple of moments that he thinks he's back in the trenches and it shocks everyone. And then after that, someone is murdered. And so one of the questions is, well, was he involved? Did he, cause he's found near the body and, and he was having one of his kind of blackout times where he's not quite sure what's going on. So, of course, she has to get involved and figure out what really happened. And does and she has a bit of a sidekick, um, Mm -hmm. a little Sherlock and Holmes thing going with Jasper. Yes. And Jasper, one of the things that I enjoy about Cozy is the hint of romance without the mm-hmm. fulfillment of of the relationship necessarily. And so it goes with, <laughs> with 
with Jasper and Olive. Frustratingly, they have the main <laughs> part for four bucks, but there seems to be a little thing between them that the two of them won't acknowledge. Yes, they're getting a little bit closer, a little bit closer. It's um, a fine balance because really the books, they, you know, they take a long time to write and come out, but really in book time, it's only been a couple of months. So, you know, that's my thing is that they would kind of gradually grow into it. And then it's interesting that that is one thing that the readers are very, very interested in. I had no idea, you know, I spend all this time on the plot and the suspects and the clues and the red herrings. And most of the email I get is about Olive and Jasper. And when are they going to get together? <laughs> well, I got that actually from reading some of the reviews because I noticed that is what people are really asking. But you do a super good job with um, with the red herrings, the clues, oh, multiple you. suspects. You're welcome. And this is maybe one of the knocks on the genre is that the mysteries are too simple. You will not right. find this with Sarah's books. <laughs> I literally the whole time kept thinking that there were viable uh, suspects in multiple directions and it could have gone anyway up until the point at which it couldn't anymore. So it was, it's a masterfully done mystery, but in a historical setting with a cozy feel. So. Well, that's it, great to hear because yeah, I'm glad someone appreciates all that time I put in there. <laughs> I did. I really did. And, um, and, and to get it historically right in, in terms of the pacing of the romance as well, people are just going to have to wait. It just didn't happen yeah. that way. Back well, then. yeah. And you know, let's the old moonlighting conundrum. Do you get them together and then everything, then no one's interested anymore. Exactly. So, but I mean, I do love romance in my mystery just a little bit. So I would say don't, I'm not going to make readers mad. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> do we have more um, olive books coming? Is this a series you want to yes. keep there? Yes, I love it. And normally when I start writing, I only have maybe an idea or two, maybe three. It's like, I can kind of see, but it's kind of foggy down the road. You know, I'm not really sure. But this one, I think because I set it up more as she is a detective and she's getting cases, even though she's not a pure police detective, I started thinking about, oh, she could do this, she could do this. And in the 20s, there's so much going on. So I have ideas for plenty of books. So I'm excited. Yeah. And now is she... I hate to ask you about favorites because, you know, we aren't supposed to talk about them. <laughs> Out of your series, do you have one you enjoy writing most? Well, it's interesting because I was working on a crossover book. That's what I've been doing. I'm taking Olive and the On the Run series and crossing over. Oh. And so, yeah, so Zoe is going to be investigating something that happened in 1923. So then we get Olive's perspective on what's going on. And it was so interesting writing those at the same time. I actually ended up having to write one storyline all by itself and then go back and do the other one. But I found it much easier to write the 1920s book, really? the portion of it. Yeah. And so I feel like I just have an affinity for that right now. Um, I know that, you know, in a couple of years, I may be like, oh, I'm sick of that. But right now I really enjoy writing it. And I like, I feel like it blends well with what I'm interested in. It, it seems to, at least from our brief conversation and, and the way that you have it going with multiple series, you can't get too bored. In fact, you can probably yeah. really keep up with the need to, oh, I got to do one in this series. I got to do one in this series. <laughs> but um, it's, it's, it, it's very interesting to me. I'm, I'm working on my first historical right now, and it's not even truly historical in the sense that it's, um, it's I was born during the time in which it occurred. But I'm 52, uh -huh. so that does get us back to fairly historical. <laughs> and it is, it's, it is so much fun to write something that mm -hmm. different, set 
right where you are and you have to go back and, and look at all the elements. So you do a ton of research. Mm-hmm. That is very apparent. It feels authentic. Oh, thank you. Well, I do. And I enjoy the research. I end up doing a lot of reading. Um, I don't normally, I wouldn't say I'm a big nonfiction reader, but when I'm thinking about a book, I'll start pulling in different nonfiction sources and reading up. And when I started the series, I read like every 1920s mystery I could find that was actually written in the 20s and early 30s, because I wanted to kind of absorb that, the language and like how they did things, you know, so um, that was really interesting just to see how, how books were structured and written then. And then I just try and find like whatever I'm working on, I'll just try and find something nonfiction about that topic. So um, like the third book was the Egyptian antiquities book. And so I read a book that was written by the, um, uh, when King Tut's tomb was discovered, the peer, the London peer, the Earl that sponsored him was, you know, they owned uh, Highclere Castle, which was used for Downton Abbey, but there's this whole book about everything that happened during that time. So like I found that book, read that, delved into it, pulled out everything I could find, you know. And that, it, it, to me, that's the fun part too. And I think that when you look at the um, the way your characters talk to each other, Olive's, Olive's navigation of her world where she is a working girl mm-hmm. in a world where that's not common, mm-hmm. it feels real. The, you know, it, the research pays off in the mm-hmm. reader experience. So you guys don't even know half of what goes in <laughs> that you read, but it's, it's, um, it's easier in some ways, like you're saying, the, the small town aspect, the lack of technology, the mm-hmm. things that make it easier to write a mystery. But in others, it's quite difficult because you have to put in a lot of legwork to get it right. Yeah, yeah, you do. And your readers will certainly tell you if you mess something up. <laughs> <laughs> I know They're that. helpful that way. Yes. <laughs> so um, with respect to your books and... Mm-hmm with mysteries in general, do you write with a theme in mind? Are you a thematic author? Do you ever think about theme when you're at any stage in the creation process? I try to, but for me, I found that normally I don't know what the theme is going to be until I get about halfway into the book, maybe near the end. There's some things that I, you know, for me, when I start out, it's always like, hmm, (laughs) <laughs> Appearances are deceiving. Maybe that's a good theme, right? Because I says I can't get my head around it. So, like one of the books in the um, Murder on Location series, the novella was the Christmas novella, and I was like, I don't know. And then I got to the end of it, and I went, Oh, it's about gifts and giving, and <laughs> which makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it took me a while. <laughs> do you do you um, when you're sitting at the beginning and you're thinking about theme? Are you uh, plotting? Are you outlining? Are you writing beats, or do you just take off at a full gallop? No, I can't have just like a blank screen. That terrifies me. I have to have like a plan, and it's not super detailed, but I do know kind of what's going to happen in each part of the book, and I kind of know the big turning points, and then. normally I know like the first quarter, first half pretty well, and I'll write that. And then sometimes I'll get done with that and I'll go, okay, now I need to think through this next part and get it down. So it's kind of like I do it in stages. I think that you and I were born, what's your sign? I'm Aquarius. (laughs) That's, that's so November. (laughs) The, um, the idea of writing a mystery 
without doing some pre-planning to me is terrifying because I've done it before. And you get, if, if you're writing a story with that much need for the plot to be tight and you go astray, your mm-hmm. recycle time and fixing that booger mm-hmm. is so much, it's, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> it can be. Yes. I always feel like, I feel like in the first like half of the book, everything's really tightly woven and all really good. And then it kind of is like, like a thread that like it gets looser and looser and looser to the end, like in the first draft. And uh-huh. then I have to go back and really tighten up those last couple of chapters and last sections because, man, it usually needs some work. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or, you know, you're writing along and something completely different happens because it mm-hmm. is loose and it's you know going all over the place. And it, the ricochet changes throughout the book mm-hmm. are just your head's like going with all these details. But, you know, when you get to the end and you've tightened that string, it's pretty marvelous, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a great feeling. <laughs> it's a great feeling. It's probably the feeling. It's one of the only feelings about writing I like. <laughs> That's true. We spend our whole time thinking about what we want to write and then we're struggling to write it. And then we get done and we're like, oh, that was great. And then we're thinking about the next book. <laughs> the next book it's like that. It's, it is. Uh, and, you know, are talking to other writers, I always tell them, celebrate that moment. Really hang yes. on to it. But do we? No, we start no. about the next one. So. No, we have that uh, shiny object syndrome where we're like we're already thinking about the next book, even you know. <laughs> and then do you have lots of ideas of different things that you want to write, but you just really don't have time? Exactly. Yeah. I've got a. I keep a next five years list on mm-hmm. um, on Google Drive, and it just keeps growing. I can, don't knock any off. I mean, I do. <laughs> I write several books a year, but I never get there. But then you add maybe five to seven more, right? It's yeah. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. Well, you guys, this this has been a lot of fun, but I've got to go now to the solemnly swarm duty part of the podcast, which is this has been a solely owned and copyrighted production of Authors on the Air Global New Radio Network. And thanks to Pam Stack for being awesome and our producer, because that is legally required. And the other thing I would tell you is that if you haven't had a chance to go pick up um, a, black, a murder and black tie yet, let's get a recommendation directly from Sarah here. Do are you a purist? Do you suggest they start with is it Murder at Archley Manor, the mm-hmm. first one, or do your books read as standalone? How would you recommend people proceed? Well, they each stand alone. So if you just want to dive right into Murder and Black Tie, you can. But if you want the whole thing about um, you know like how Olive came to be in this situation and kind of more the personal interactions between the people and the characters, then you probably want to start with the first one. I always, start I always with, start with the first one. I always start with the first. <laughs> um, so you guys can do it either way. But now you've heard it, and if while you're um, while you're out there grabbing um, one or more of the <laughs> High Society Detective Lady books, next week on the show we have Sandria Fay. She's a Dallas-based author and the architect of Lit Night in Dallas, which is a phenom right now where authors get up and read um, and it's grouped by genre. Super cool. If you're in the Dallas area and get a chance to go, please do. But her debut novel, um, The Mourner's Bench, and that's what we'll talk about next week. And get out to my website. And I want you to do two things. The first is I want you to go subscribe to the podcast. I mean, why not? Get the RSS feed free automatically delivered. And then click on the link and go take a look at how you can support writers like Sarah as they are bringing to you the enjoyment that um, 
makes your life better. So get out there and take a look at how you can pledge. And last but not least, I s- said two things and now I'm going with three. And that's my prerogative because it's my okay. show. But um, <laughs> the third is I've got a new novel coming out next month. And it's a spinoff series from my um, What Doesn't Kill You mystery series. And it's the one that's set in 1976. So it's historical. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit different for me, but has some spinoff characters from the What Doesn't Kill You series. And I've really enjoyed putting it together. So that means you guys got to get busy and go out there and refresh yourself by rereading or reading the books in the series so that you're ready for this new direction, November 15th. Okay. And Sarah, thank you so much. It's been a long time coming, but I have so enjoyed getting to meet you and chat with you here. Oh, it's been so much fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys have a great week. Read a great book. Why don't you? (laughs) 